Well done, David, uh, reading through that passage. And uh, I'd extend my welcome to those here in the building at Camaray, but also uh, on live stream this morning. Now, you, for those who know me, uh, for those who don't, my surname is Smith. And Smith used to be one of the most common English names. And it was actually very helpful for us living in Japan because when I introduced myself, hi, I'm Mr. Smith, the person you've been studying in your English textbook. And um, most people were able to uh, draw a connection. Now, I'd never really investigated our family tree, hadn't really had any, any interest, until my son, a Smith, was getting ready to marry another Smith. And he'd misheard that we were, our side of the family, were having a family gathering up in the north coast, and his fiancée's side of the family was also having a family in the north coast at the same time. Hmm, were, <laughs> were we related? Were they related? Anyway, um, investigation or it turned out that there's no real connection between the two families, at least back to 1788. So everything was fine. He's uh, now married. Now, if my son, Jeremy, was able to say his uh, family uh, story, it would go something like this. James Smith was the father of John. John, the father of William. William, the father of Walter. Walter, the father of Leslie. Leslie, the father of John. John, the father of Graham. Graham, the father of Jeremy. And this week, we can add Jeremy, the father of Albert, born last Sunday. Now, interesting, interesting, well, maybe if you're a granddad, but not much interest for you here, is there, really? Well, you might feel a little bit like that with Matthew's passage that we've just read. It feels a little, like, a little bit like that, doesn't it? Well, Matthew, as we know, was an eyewitness to Jesus, and he has a message, and he is convinced that the world should hear. And the message is that Jesus is God's designated divine rescuer king, and everyone should follow him. And so Matthew, he wants to persuade the world about this message, and he begins, because he's primarily speaking to a Jewish audience, he begins with this genealogy that we've just read, the account of the origin of Jesus. Verse 1 really tells us everything we need to know. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is God's designated king. Now, later in the chapter, we'll learn that Jesus, his name, uh, is, means that he will save his people from their sins. And so straight away, now, we know, the beginning of Matthew's gospel, that Jesus is the hero in the story. Now, if you had the carols last week, and it was a wonderful event. Thank you for those who organised it. Now, if you were at the carols, there was a skit. And a skit that had a scary shark. And a skit that had Tuller all worried. And a skit that had a lifesaver. Now, uh, our grandkids were there, two and a half year old. A lady came up and said, oh, did you see the shark? The shark was very scary. But she also worked out the lifesaver was very kind. Even she could work that out. But the, the problem of sin, in other words, ignoring God, is much more dangerous than a shark. Only Jesus can deal with the problem of sin and its consequences. Only Jesus qualifies as the divine rescuing king. 
And the genealogy shows that Jesus is le legitimate king. Now we know this because of his bloodline. He is the son of David, the son of Abraham. And looking through the genealogy, two aspects are emphasised. Jesus is the son of David, Jesus is the son of Abraham. And the following record of the generations from Abraham to David, from Solomon to the exile to Jesus, set the context for what follows in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus is the fulfilment of the Old Testament storyline. Jesus is the son of promise. Two points today, Jesus the son of promise, Jesus is the son for everyone. Jesus the son of promise. Well, as the son of Abraham, Jesus fulfills the promise made to Abraham that his descendant would bring blessing to the entire world. We looked at uh, the promise last week on the screen. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Jesus is that descendant. Jesus is the son of Abraham. Jesus will take away the curse of death and judgment on humanity caused by the rebellion of the first humans, Adam and Eve. Jesus, the son of Abraham. But as the son of David, second part of the promise, as the son of David, Jesus fulfills the promises made to David that one of his descendants would establish a forever kingdom. And so we have this uh, reference from 2 Samuel. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. He will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of this kingdom forever. Now this promise was reiterated by the prophets and so we have Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah uh, saying similar things. And so our other reasoning from uh, Isaiah, uh, he says about the, the king to be born, these things. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, I've spent a fair bit of time in Japan, so some of my uh, illustrations are going to be from Japan, and one of them is about the Japanese monarchy. It's one of the oldest and longest monarchies in the world. Um, and when we were living in Japan, uh, the wartime emperor Akihito still ruled. Now, since his birthday is celebrated on the 23rd of December, a lot of the churches will take uh, that day as their opportunity to put on Christmas events because it's a public holiday. Christmas Day, no public holiday, kids off to school and do cleaning. Very different. But... 23rd of December, we were encouraged to think about the Japanese uh, emperor. Now, it's interesting to compare the two kings, the king of Japan and King Jesus. Both kings come from a distinguished line. Now, Akihito supposedly goes back to about 660 BC, 
Uh, and as we've seen, Jesus goes back to Israel's great forefather, Abraham, and to the greatest king of Israel, David. Distinguished line. Both kings claim to be divine. Now, although these days the constitution of Japan denies that the emperor is divine, but when Akihito was born, uh, it was, he was perceived to be a direct descendant of the sun goddess. Now, his divinity was invested through special secret ceremonies and rituals, and he, he, he was an ordinary man, but he was clothed in divine powers. We know Jesus also claims to be divine. In the story that follows, uh, Jesus' divinity is acknowledged by angels. We've got the three, the, or the kings, coming to worshiping, worship him as God. And as we read on in the story, we see him acting as God acts, uh, healing people, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, walking on water. Jesus truly is Emmanuel, God with us. Two kings from a distinguished line claiming to be divine and two kings claiming to have authority. Now these days the emperor of Japan is just a symbolic figurehead. Uh, the national flag still has the picture of the uh, rising sun. The national anthem still uh, celebrates and has references to his divinity. They're the only remaining symbols today. But in his his day, Akihito, he had power over the entire Japanese empire. Countless soldiers yielded to his authority and marched to their death under his rule. He had authority. But Jesus also claims to have power and authority over the entire world. Jesus rules the world. He rules the heavens and the earth. And he even rules over death and life. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, uh, there's this declaration, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the ruling king, but his rule is different. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus made himself nothing, taking on human nature, humbling himself even unto death on a cross. He swapped places with us, dying on a cross, taking upon himself the punishment for our rebellion. So Jesus is not only king, he's also saviour. So two, thing, two kings, but very different. One human, dressed up in divinity, the other divine, but clothed in humanity. One provoking conflict throughout the world, one initiating peace and reconciliation one demanding sacrifice and servitude, the other offering his life as a servant to all. And so that's why we sing at Christmas and we've sung this morning, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy child, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations ride, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic host proclaim, Christ the King is born in Bethlehem. Jesus is the legitimate king. He is the son of promise. But there's another truth about uh, Jesus in uh, this genealogy, and that is that Jesus is the son for everyone. He is the king that we all need. 
Now, the genealogy looks very organised, and uh, we read uh, verse 17, Matthew gives a summary. These were the 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now, Matthew's uh, saying that there are at least three key periods thus far in salvation history. Now, one commentator uh, says you can probably summarise it with the letter N. And so you've got the first 14 generations going upward from David to Abraham and then you've got the second 14 going down from Solomon to the Babylonian exile and then you've got the 14 up again uh, in hope and fulfilment from the exile of Christ. So sort of the N figure. I think what we're seeing in this genealogy is real history, real people, and Jesus has entered into this history. He's entered at the right time, at the right place. And so Paul in uh, Galatians uh, says, but when the fullness of time had come, Jesus, a God, sent forth his son. God has designed history around the birth of Jesus. Now, our calendar system used to express this when we had BC, before Christ, AD, and Domini in the year of our Lord. There was the division. Jesus is the centre of history. Very organised genealogy. It's got a pattern. But if you read through carefully, there's some notable things that stand out. The pattern's interrupted at a few points, and you might have noticed it, particularly with the mention of five women. So verse 3, Zerah whose mother was Tamar. Verse 5, Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Verse 6, Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Verse 16, Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And remember, this is a gospel that is written primarily to a Jewish audience. And they're going to be familiar with all these names. They're not going to be surprised with the names. They're used to them. But it was unusual to include women in a genealogy. But here we have five unexpected additions. They stand out. Well, two things. Firstly, most of them are Gentile women. In other words, not of Jewish origin. So Tamar and Rahab, they were Canaanites, uh, a race of people that the Israelites were forbidden to intermarry. Then Ruth was a Moabite. And the Moabites traced their ancestry back to incestuous Lot. And they were long-term enemies of Israel. And then Bathsheba, she was born an Israelite, but because Uriah, uh, her husband, was a Hittite when she married, she was legally uh, a Hittite herself. And so you've got four non-Jewish women. So that's something that stands out in a Jewish uh, genealogy. Uh, secondly, you've got three of the women of morally dubious reputation. So they were all involved with irregular sexual liaisons. And so we've got Tamar, dressed as a prostitute to trick her father-in-law into fulfilling his duty. We've got Rahab, who was a prostitute. We've got Bathsheba, committing adultery with King David. So in the, in the, in the genealogy itself, these women stand out. But if you read... Some of the stories of the men on the list, they don't fare uh, no better. They fare no better. So you've got Jacob stealing his birthright and deceiving his brother-in-law. You've got Rehoboam uh, forcing his countrymen into slavery. You've got Manasseh, uh, these are kings, sacrificing his son and building altars to foreign gods. 
So lying, deceit and murder, even within Abraham and King David's life. So what's Matthew trying to say through this? Surely he's trying to say that the gospel is for all people, not only the Jews. The gospel is for all people. And the gospel is for sinners, for people like you and me. Jesus is the saviour that we all need. Jesus is the son for everyone. Now, I mentioned that my family tree can, as far as uh, what research someone in the family has done, goes back to 1788 and uh, with the birth of John Smith. Now, he came to Australia as a convict in 1806. Uh, apparently, some of his mates had stolen something, they hidden it, and he just wanted to go back and check all the goods that he, uh, they had uh, stored up, and he got caught in doing that, and so he was sent out as a convict. And uh, when he got to Australia, he didn't do too badly, apparently, because uh, one of his um, friends was a friend of the governor, so they wrote a letter and said, oh, this guy's not such a bad person, you know, treat him fairly. And so he, he didn't do too badly uh, when he arrived in Australia. Now, that was his friend's assessment of him. Oh, not a bad bloke. But that's not how the Bible would have seen him. Uh, the Bible tells us that he, like all of us, have instinctively turned our backs on God. We're just like him, in a sense, that we too are rebels in our heart. Now, we may be able to hide that from others, but we can't hide it from God. So the Bible teaches us, in reality, all of us deserve God's punishment. And so that is why the account of the origins of Jesus is so important because it reminds us of our need to be rescued. Matthew tells us that the promised son has come, that he is God and king, but is also human and so that he can truly stand in our place. We, like all before us, have failed to live up to God's standards, but Jesus is God's perfect king. He is the perfect king who dies for us so that we can truly live. Jesus came to rescue Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. Jesus came to rescue Jacob, Rehoboam, Manasseh, Abraham, David. Jesus came to rescue John Smith, Graham Smith, Jeremy Smith, and now the new Albert Smith. Jesus came to rescue you and your family. He came to rescue people from all nations, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. Jesus is God's rescuing king. And for this to happen, the promised son had to die. And that's what Jesus did and Matthew's gospel tells us in the rest of the story. Now, in the Greek, uh, which is the original translation of this passage, the word genealogy is actually the word genesis. And think, okay, that puts this part of scripture somehow connecting with the first part of the Bible, Genesis. And so Matthew Gospel begins something like this, the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ. So linking back to the first Genesis, this passage is offering us a new start, a fresh start, a new beginning. This genealogy can become your 
genealogy. Now, to borrow an advertising slogan, it begins with yes. Saying yes to Jesus, accepting his rescue package, saying yes to Jesus, acknowledging him as your king. And one of the barriers for uh, Japanese becoming Christians is their high regard for ancestors and their strong ties to ancestors. And so it's often a barrier for them becoming Christians. But uh, from one of the things I often do is refer them back to this passage and say, look, Jesus, he has great respect for ancestors. So that's one thing. But the other thing I try to encourage them is consider the impact that you could have on the next generation if you started trusting in Jesus. You could make a difference for your children and their children and their children after them. Trusting in Jesus in this generation begins a new family tree, God's family tree. Now, this week... I was thrilled to welcome a new Smith grandchild. But there's even greater joy in when someone becomes part of God's family. And so today is a bit of preparation for Christmas. We know from today who it is who is born at Christmas. Jesus, the promised king. Jesus, the king who rescues. And so please join with us uh, online, in person, as we celebrate Jesus, God's rescuing King, this week and honour him over the Christmas season. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for introducing your Son, the rescuing King for all people. We thank you that through Jesus we can be included into your family and pray that we may honour King Jesus, this Christmas and in the year ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.